The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about advertising challenges and abuse. Joining us is Matt Gillis, who's the CEO of Clean.io, which is a malvertising prevention solution for publishers, basically any website that accepts advertising through a DSP and advertising platforms to get rid of the world's advertising abuse through digital engagement security. And today, Matt and I are going to talk about malvertising's impact on marketers' revenue and subscriber churn. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Matt Gillis, CEO of Clean.io. Matt, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Ben, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Excited to have you on the show. Thanks for sticking with us. Apologies for being a minute late to the call, but uh, excited to learn a little bit about sort of the darker side of marketing. There's darkness everywhere. Where Anywhere where there's lots of users and money at stake, there's usually some darkness and we're hoping to shed some light on it. So I worked at eBay a long time ago, 10 years. There's a highly publicized story about how eBay's affiliate program was taken advantage of. And basically, the company got banged for millions of dollars in affiliate payments that weren't necessarily valid. And so whenever I think of malvertising or advertising abuse, I go back into thinking about what happened at eBay, which was things like cookie stuffing and basically cloning user experiences that weren't happening to take credit for real legitimate marketing transactions. Help me understand what malvertising is and who is really affected by it today. So malvertising is effectively a hybrid of the words malicious and advertising. And you know, there's a lot of really great folks that are spending money on digital media and digital advertising to reach real users and have engagements with users and sell things and hopefully have a positive impact from a brand perspective. And then there's also a whole bunch of folks who use digital advertising to have, I would say, shady engagements with end users. And that's what malvertising is. It's bad actors who are buying ads on websites and they're hoping to take over that user experience and drive that user somewhere where that user probably did not intend to go. You probably had it happen to you as well, Ben, where you're scrolling on a website and then all of a sudden it redirects you and says, hey, congratulations, Ben, you want an Amazon gift card, click here. And if you click the close button, it doesn't work. And if you click the back button, it just refreshes the page that you're on. And these bad actors have figured out how to buy these little tiny ads on pages 
And most real advertisers would hope to have half a percent click-through rate with their ads. Well, these bad actors have figured out how to basically take a user through 100% of the time that they want to, to those pages. So you talk about how affiliates may or may not play into this space. Basically, what these guys do is they figured out how to make money from this. When they drive you to that landing page, usually there's some bounty that they're looking to get paid on, whether that's a survey completion. So the things that we've seen are, hey, Comcast user, take this survey and you'll have a chance to win X. Well, what they've done is they very specifically targeted Comcast Wi-Fi customers and they're driving those offers back. And if they capture the person's email address and get them to complete the survey, they're going to get paid a bounty. Now, I'm sure Comcast wouldn't want that survey completion to be the way that they get those survey completions, but bad actors have figured out how to do that and how to get those engagements. So it's not just necessarily driving a click or putting a click to drop a cookie to take an affiliate payment. There's a user data capture. I'm pretending to be Comcast. So you fill out a study promising to give you a reward. Now I have all of Comcast's user logins, and I'm sure that that could be used for malicious purposes. I'm imagining that there's portions of malvertising that are not necessarily just centered around e-commerce, but we think about some of the political sphere and how some of the social media platforms have been used for misinformation. I'm guessing that there's also an information distribution portion of this industry as well. You're spot on. And yeah, there's various different forms of malvertising. The one that I articulated was the most basic form of the classic redirect. Yesterday, one of the attacks that we prevented was a bad actor running 300 by 250 ads across the internet. And what they were doing was they were dynamically changing the creative. So they would submit one creative, say an innocuous, like UGG boot ad, right? Which the creative approval say, hey, that looks good. It's UGG. I'd love to have UGG buying on my website. And what they were doing is in very specific geographies, so in Canada and in Denmark and in Germany, they were actually swapping the image out with political clickbait. We would call them like the fake death ads. And it's like so-and-so, you know, who is the prime minister of this country or the president of this country has died. And all they're trying to do is get people to click on there and then go through the various forms of like stealing PII or anything that they can do to create a monetizable engagement. So let's focus on how this affects marketers. I think of two classes of businesses where malvertising really can be disruptive, media and publishing, and then e-commerce sort of as the industries. Walk me through what some of the key challenges are in both of those industries and how does clean protect against them? So most of what we do is to protect publishers and platforms from these various bad actors. In turn, there's a benefit to advertisers, right? To the real advertisers. Because if you go to any website, usually there's not just one ad on the page. There's probably four or five, maybe eight, who knows? And what's happening in malvertising is that one bad actor is buying one of those ads to redirect that user and take them somewhere else. If there were six ads on the page, that means that the five good guys that bought ads on that page now have no chance of engagement with those ads that they paid for because the user has been hijacked and taken somewhere else. So I think marketers really want to be very thoughtful with where they're actually placing their budgets. I think they want to make sure that anywhere where they're buying is a safe user experience that is protecting the integrity of that user session and making sure that their ads are viewable and viewable by real humans and not robots. So that's just key. It's almost table stakes at this stage of the game. And mostly when you're paying on a CPM basis, you're talking about display media 
the impression is what you're being charged for. And even if the impression is delivered, if there's no possibility for engagement, now you're paying for something that you're not going to get any value out of. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Talk to me about how big of a problem this is for publishers. Do you have any sense of like what percentage of ads are affected by malvertising? So I think the majority of the problem enters through the programmatic media ecosystem. So where there's dynamic buying and selling of ads, that has obviously taken over over the last few years, right? I think and there's many sites that 100% of their media is traded programmatically. Those are the areas I think where you'll see the problem most in existence. It can be different on any website. So if you've got a website that has a direct sales force that is selling a lot of their own media and they're relying less on programmatic, it's probably a much smaller problem. But there's a lot of websites out there that are really relying holistically on programmatic and they don't have a direct sales force these days. That's where you'll see the problem creep in. It could be 1%, it could be 5%, it could be 20%. What we see is that over time, these bad actors, they're very unpredictable. So what they do, obviously their whole goal is to not get caught. They wanna be able to buy, They'll use the tactics of the most sophisticated performance advertiser to frequency cap, to basically dynamically target in geos and make it really hard for them to be sought out. So they'll spike. Yesterday on some sites, we saw spikes of 5 to 10% threat rates. It's one of those really unpredictable problems. We're fighting a nameless, faceless actor who probably lives in their parents' basement in who knows where. I think of it like a bank robbery, right? It's not something that's a consistent problem. You're going to see it happen once, all of a sudden the money's gone and you're in big trouble and they're targeting specific actors and they're obviously talented performance marketers. They understand the tools and just use them for bad behavior. Outside of media and publishing, I mentioned e-commerce as well. There's advertising on e-commerce sites, but I'm assuming that there's also some impact on throughput. And I mentioned with eBay, there was the idea of basically dropping a cookie before the user got into a session to take credit for the affiliate bounty. Are you still seeing problems in e-commerce or is this something that's pretty much isolated to media and publishing? 
our company is a digital engagement security platform. So we protect digital engagements across the internet, whether it's on publisher web pages or on e-commerce sites. What we do at the core is we're preventing third-party malicious or untrusted JavaScript from entering the ecosystem and taking over the user experience. And so we talked a little bit about what that means in malvertising, which is a bad actor buying an ad and executing their third-party malicious JavaScript. In e-commerce, the problem manifests itself very similarly. The JavaScript that's entering that ecosystem isn't necessarily malicious, but it's absolutely what we would call untrusted JavaScript which means you as an e-commerce website owner, you own your website, but you actually don't get to control all the code that executes on your website. Yeah, you've basically created a hole in your website where somebody is supposed to be putting an ad, but they potentially could be putting some sort of other piece of code. Well, it's bigger than that, right? So you may have ads on your website. That may be one place where folks can intrude and take over the user experience. But beyond that, you don't actually get to control what's on the end user's machine. So in the world of e-commerce, yes, there are ads on those websites and we would protect those as well. And we do that for many publishers that have e-commerce capabilities on their website with ads. But one of the newest things that we actually protect is from these nefarious discount extensions. They're called Honey, they're called Wikibuy or Capital One Shopping. They're third-party Chrome extensions that end users will put on their machine. And when you as a user are at checkout on one of these e-commerce websites, these things pop up and take over the user experience and start pounding in promo codes and discount codes. And, you know, the analogy I use is as an e-commerce merchant, let's go back to bricks and mortar and imagine that you owned a store that's across the street. You'd never let someone walk into your store and stand beside your cash register and just start handing everybody who comes through the door a discount. You just wouldn't let that happen. That's actually what's happening in the internet right now with Honey, which was acquired by PayPal and Wikibuy, which was acquired by Capital One. These folks are just taking over the user experiences without the permission or authority of these website owners. And these website owners, just like publishers, need tools to protect themselves. It's interesting because I think of malvertising as the shady person sitting in some sort of a basement, injecting code and websites onto places that they shouldn't be. And in reality, it's not just the sort of one-off, rogue, independent bad actor. There are enterprise-scale companies that are maybe not injecting malvertising, but exhibiting behaviors that impact the bottom line of businesses like PayPal, like Capital One. So talk to me about the legal side, or I guess the ethical side as well, of a large enterprise company injecting code or offering products or services, modifying your user experience to harm your bottom line. How does that all work? So Honey is now owned by PayPal. They were acquired for $4.5 billion. So very big transaction. I think probably one of the biggest ones that PayPal has ever acquired. Honey would say that they saved their users $1.6 billion in savings in 2020. So that means that because Honey was on users' machines, and I think they have 30 million users, that they created an average order value reduction of $1.6 billion. Honey works on about 40 or 50,000 different storefronts. So there's a huge challenge that merchants, it's so hard to acquire new consumers, right? They spend a ton of money driving traffic to their website. And when you get someone that far down the funnel, when you get someone to the checkout page where they're ready to put their credit card in, that's when Honey actually wakes up and truly takes over control of the user experience and starts reducing order value and starts injecting promo codes. And then the kicker is, is they actually mess with your attribution so that you actually can't understand what your effective channels are. 
So they'll start just injecting the highest coupon that they can. And quite frankly, they play in the affiliate ecosystem where they're incentivized to drive certain codes at checkout. So it's a really big problem for merchants. It's been unsolved for a long time. So we just started in this ecosystem. We had been in beta for six months. We launched the product in mid-March. You know, we've already got, I don't want to tell you, but we got a lot of customers that already want it. Like one of the emails that we got last week, the subject line was, I love you. And they were a very prominent online clothing merchant that you've probably seen in your Facebook feed or in your Instagram feed. They spent a ton of money on media driving net new sales. And these guys, like they've tried to get these extensions to stop and they won't. And so there's this really adversarial relationship where I think Honey and Wikibuy and these other discount extensions try to tell these merchants, hey, we're doing something really good for you. We're helping drive conversion rate. Hey, we're helping drive sales. And at the end of the day, what they're doing is, is they're taking credit for organic sales that would have happened anyway. They're coming in when you're on the one yard line and they're taking the ball and running into the end zone, getting credit for the conversion. It's very similar to what you said at PayPal when you were there, where people were taking credit for things that they didn't necessarily do. And you guys were paying it out. And obviously you probably found out at some point you were like, geez, we've been bleeding money. And I think there's, there is this addiction on the affiliate side where obviously they're going to put data in front of you that makes them look like they're doing great things. And I'm sure there are some great folks out there that actually are driving net new incremental sales. But most of these discount extensions, they just happen to be in the right place at the right time. And back to your old analogy of cookie bombing and what you know happened back in the day, I think it's today's cookie bomb. I think it's really interesting to hear about the evolution of malvertising and also sort of the, the timing and cadence. And I want to bring you back. Let's chat again tomorrow and talk about what the impact of the last year has been, what impact COVID had on malvertising and sort of the state of where we stand today. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Matt Gillis, CEO of Clean.io. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Matt and I are going to discuss how COVID has affected the malvertising landscape. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Matt, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is GillisUSA, G-I-L-L-I-S-U-S-A. Or you could visit his company's website, which is clean.io, C-L-E-A-N.io. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.